Well, I'm going to give you a little insight about myself this morning. I'm going to just share a couple things. Uh, we're in the book of James, chapter 2, this morning. So I hope you brought your Bible. We're going to be uh, digging through the Word this morning. But another confession I have for you, I'll have three. So we turned on our heat. This is my other confession. Um, I like to shop. I'm a shopper. And so people are like blown away by that. You're a guy and you like to shop? I mean, I'm not like really going to the mall type of guy, but, and I'm not the QVC, you know. You know, you can get in trouble if you're the QVC people, right? But like those websites that have the really good deals, you guys tracking with me? Anybody know those websites? It's like deer in the headlights out there. I'm, I'm enlightening you. There's um, some really, like if you're looking for stuff, there's some really good deals out there online. So I get emails every day from like these three different, three different websites. And um, I just peruse them really quick and then delete them. I keep saying, I just need to delete those so I'm not tempted to buy anything. I don't buy a lot of stuff, but it's just nice to know that there's good deals out there, I guess. <laughs> and so, um, but I'm a shoe guy, and so there's some really good deals on shoes on those websites. And so it's fun to kind of check those out. Bradsdeals.com is a really good one. Um, Almost Gone is another really good one. And um, Morning Break is a good one, too, so just give you a little insight. One of the hottest things right now on, on these websites are um, blankets. There's always blankets and stuff like that, but have you guys heard of these new weighted blankets? Yes. Yes. It's like a weight. Who has one? Seriously? Mitch, you have one? Okay, so tell me. Okay, it's like a hug. Okay, all right. We won't go into marriage counseling or anything like that about that. But, um, yeah, so I did some research because many of your faces, when I first said weighted blankets, someone said, who would want that? I, and so I did some research on them this week. Not that I'm going to go buy one, um, but I did some research on it. And this is what they say, what these weighted blankets, what they do for you. Um, I heard sensory blanket. Okay. This is like Maya. I'm right near your wheelhouse this morning, aren't I? Um, so since the, what they do, the weighted blankets, they promote calm. Uh, they relieve stress. They help with pain. It eases insomnia. It reduces anxiety. And it recreates a hug. So I'm sorry I'm not Oprah this morning because I would love to say, you get a blanket, you get a blanket, everybody gets a blanket this morning, but I don't have that much money to buy those blankets, but um, so when I was thinking about that this morning, I was thinking, man, isn't that though much like God's word for us? I mean, we're digging through James right now, and James, is, he's a heavy hitter. There's, like I said, there's no parables in James. He comes right after us, and he's given us genuine faith. If you want to be genuine, this is the things that you will be doing. You will be doing these things if you're a genuine follower of Jesus. And at first, it's a lot like the eyes when I said weighted blanket. You're like, ooh, whoa. Who would want that? Who wants to be genuine? Right? But when we get into God's word, this is what God's word does for us. It promotes calm. God's word relieves stress. It helps us with our pain. 
It eases our insomnia. It reduces anxiety. And it recreates a hug. God's word does all those things for us. It does all those things. If you have trouble sleeping at night, then I encourage you to turn off your screen and I encourage you to open this book. I am not a big time reader because whenever I read, I fall asleep. Right? And so, hey, what, 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 what better way to fall asleep than with the Bible, reading your Bible, right? So good. James chapter 2 this morning. My Bible falls right open to it nowadays. If you can read that on the screen. I'm going to read it right out of my word. Who has your Bible? Raise it up this morning. Brought your Bibles this morning? Okay. So Jesus, as we read your word this morning, God, I pray that it would do all these things. For those of us that need to be calmed, for those of us that need to calm down this morning, I pray that your word would just wash over us today. For some of us who are experiencing pain and anxiety and insomnia. And God, I pray that your word would bring comfort, would bring healing, would bring peace. But God, your word is also weighted. Sometimes there's a heaviness. We feel the heaviness and we feel the pressure of your word. And so, Lord, as we read this passage this morning, Lord, I, I think it's okay for us to feel that way this morning, but also in a good way. Not in a negative way, but in a good way, Jesus. That you love us so much that you want us to get it. You want us to really get it. In Jesus' name, amen. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into our meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, will you stand there or stand over there? Or he sit here on the floor at my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? Hmm. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Isn't it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin, and you are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. Forever keeps the whole law, and yet stumbles at just one point, is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who says you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Kind of a light, fluffy passage this morning. We're just going <laughs> to 
We're just going to kind of flow through this passage this morning together. There is no way in 20 minutes that we can just dive totally into this whole passage. So we're going to pick one of it this morning. But here's my encouragement to you this week is that you would go home and that you'd be studying the book of James. That you would feel the weight of God's word. James really does want us to get it as the gathered ones, as those of us who follow Jesus. He wants us to really be genuine in our faith. He really does want us to get it. If we jump back a few weeks ago, James starts off this whole idea of genuine faith and says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but actually do what it says. And Jason did such a great, didn't Jason do it, knock it out of the park last week? Yes, absolutely did. And I want to echo the words. He says, the person that we dupe the most usually is ourselves. Now, my friend Dana used to work at Human Resources at World Vision for years and years and years. And I think he was in that department for about 12 years. And he, he had this thing, you know, people will come into my office and they have no idea what, what, the outs, what other people think. They are only focused on what they see about themselves. And that's okay to a point, but it's only 50%. It's the whole managing our aura thing, right? Because it's really important that for us to know what other people think and to have input into our lives and have people that we love and trust can speak into us and say, this is what I see. And they help take those sharp edges off us. And so James, that's what he wants to do here. He's saying, hey, I really want you guys to get it. I don't want you to walk around completely deceived. I want you to really get it. And I really want you to see people and see this world in a whole new way. I want you to see people and I want you to see this world that you live in the way Jesus sees and looks at people. When people look at us, do they see Jesus? When we're in people's presence, when we're hanging out with people, do they encounter Jesus? You know, I don't know about you, but there's people in my life, they're looking for the real thing. They're looking for genuine Genuine faith, because there's a lot of fake faith out there. There's a lot of things that are just said, but then when you're like, oh, that sounds good, I want to investigate that. But then when you investigate it, it's empty, it's, it's hollow, it's fake. It's not real. Just empty words. It's not followed up by action. James is all about, it's got to be both. It's got to be words, and it's got to be action. Confession number three this morning. Confession number one was we turned our heat on for the very first time. Confession number two is I'm a shopper. I don't know how much of a confession that is, but it's a get-to-know-you, get-to-know-me type thing. Confession number three is as I'm getting older, I've totally in the like, like last three or four years, I've totally become a soda snob. A soda snob. For example... If you go to a restaurant and they say, would you, what, what would you like to drink? Well, I'll have a Coke. We have Pepsi. Is that okay? You know, it's just like your expectations were here, and now they're like, mm, down to here. Like, yeah, I guess it's okay. 
And there's a whole commercial about Pepsi, the whole Super Bowl commercial. But it's not just okay, but I'm, I like Coca-Cola. And so, um, and I used to buy the cheap stuff because I'm cheap. That's why I belong to all those websites, so I can find good deals. <laughs> but I used to buy the cheap stuff, but I would say in the last three or four years, I'm like, you know what? I, even me, I'm going to spend the extra money. I want to buy the real thing. I want to buy the real thing. So we're going to do a little thing this morning called the Coca-Cola Challenge. Back in the day, it used to be the Pepsi Challenge, right? So hopefully Pepsi's not watching right now. And we have the real thing, Coca-Cola. And we have that. (laughs) Not the real thing. Kind of looks the same, though, right? Kind of... uh, I mean, it's the same color. So do we have any self-proclaimed soda snobs in the house? Jody, are you a soda snob? So are you a Coca-Cola fan? Come on down. So I'm not going to show you which one I'm pouring this into. You have to guess. No, I'm not going to blindfold you. Okay. So everybody just close your eyes for a moment. I want to hear the one of the most glorious. Besides Ashley leading worship. Besides Ashley leading worship, I want to hear the one of the most glorious sounds on planet Earth. Okay, close your eyes and just listen. Ready? Very good. Okay, so Jody... Oh, she has a very defined palate, she says. Okay, so take this one and take take a swig. Super sweet was her comment. (laughs) Those are two different colas. They are two different colas. You want to try it again? Okay, Jose. Still sweet? Yes, sir. Okay. You can't tell the difference. Well, that does not help my sermon illustration at all. I think it's this one. I, if I was going to go, if I was going to pick, I'd pick that one. You need to go sit down. <laughs> It was this one. I'm going to make my point anyways. I need one more volunteer. How about Young? Atlanta? Grace, you're here. Come on, Lan. Come on, do it. Lan is not root beer. Lan is not root beer. If it was root beer, she'd be up here. You're not going to come up? Has to be young. Jody was young. Has to be somebody young. Grace. Grace, you're, you're a soda snob. I'm not going to just call you a snob. But you're a soda snob. Okay. All right. So here you go. Try that one. 
I just opened them. You heard it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know either? No. I don't really drink. You guys really are not helping me out at all. Um, that one was really flat, so I couldn't tell. So then it would probably be this one because yeah, it wasn't sure. as flat? I'll go with that. Okay, she got it right. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, so much for that point. Maybe we should just move on. <laughs> because you don't want to hear me burp for the next 20 minutes. So um, I have, because, you know, in order to do this, I have to go buy the 12-pack of the cheap cola because they don't sell this, the cheap stuff in individuals, you know. And um, so because I love you guys, I've been sacrificing, and I've been having to drink that stuff this week. It's horrible. Um, but here's the deal, and it, it didn't really work out as I was hoping this morning, but here's what I'm going to draw the parallel anyways. They really do, at a at quick glance, it really do, it does look pretty similar. And if you look inside the cup, it's, it's the same color, and they're both carbonated. One has a little bit more carbonation than the other, as it was pointed out. But at quick glance, they look about the same. But here's the deal about the real thing. And that actually used to be Coca-Cola's slogan. Their tagline is, the real thing. It's the real thing. That's the, the whole song. I would sing it for you, but I don't quite remember it. Um, when people look at us, people of faith, they're looking for the real thing. And at quick glance, we can look like everything, everybody else. But a lot of times, we're just full of carbonation. Okay? We're just, we're just gas. We're just full of it. Because people look at us, and they don't see the real thing. They might hear the real thing, but they don't experience the real thing when they're with us. And what James is trying to tell us here is we've got, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, we've got to be the real thing. We need to look at the world in a totally different perspective, in a different view. We need to look at the world as Jesus would look at the world, as Jesus does, present tense, look at the world. Genuine faith is going to cost us more. Coca-Cola costs a lot more than this. Trust me. Genuine faith is going to cost us more. If we want to have genuine faith, it's not going to be cheap. And I think many of you are experiencing that right now in your life. And you, we come in and we've been talking about our trials and our struggles. And, and that's why it's important to be part of a body because we can help carry those things together. Some of you are doing fantastic and doing really well. Some of you had the best summer ever. But some of you in your life, you've had the worst summer ever. And you can't wait for summer to be over. Some of you can't wait, can't even get past the summer because they're so good, you're afraid to go into the next season. That's why we need to be together so we can walk through this together. So some of you that are struggling right now, we, we want to walk next to you. We want to walk beside you and help you. Because there are going to be times in our life where we're going to need people to walk beside us. Amen? Amen? Real, genuine faith is going to cost us more 
Genuine faith, this is what genuine faith will look like. It'll consider it pure joy when we face trials. Genuine faith will ask for help. Genuine faith will believe God. Genuine faith will have a a desire and a hunger for God's word. And, And I'll just confess, you guys, I am not a reader. Like When I get home from a 12, 14 hour day, I don't just go home like, I can't wait to read my Bible. It's usually I can't wait to watch Sports Center because I need to decompress for a little while. Um, and that's how I decompress. My wife is completely opposite. When she gets home, she loves to read. She loves to read. And so when I say genuine faith will have a desire for God's word, that doesn't mean you have to sit there and read it every single day for five hours. But here's the thing, even though I'm not a big time reader, I'm constantly thinking about his word. His word's always flowing through me and in me and in situations, the Holy Spirit's always talking to me and giving me his word for those situations that I'm in. That's what I'm talking about. There's this desire to be plugged in and to to hear him and and to know him and, and be there with him, be present with him. Genuine faith will have a desire and a hunger for God's word. Genuine faith will be humble. Genuine faith will run from evil. I told you this is a light and fluffy message this morning, right? Genuine faith, if you have genuine faith, sin will bother you. And I know I'm, I'm going over the line a little bit this morning. James goes over the line for us because he loved his people. He loved his church. So I'm going to go over the line for you because I love you. Genuine faith, if we have it, sin will bother us. So I stand here this morning and say before you, I'm a sinner. I'm going up right after this service. I got to run home and throw my suit on. I almost wore my suit this morning because I'm doing a memorial service in North, North, North Seattle at 2 o'clock for a fellow softball guy. And his community is the recovery community. And so in the recovery community, when you're in a meeting, you stand up and say, hi, my name is Kevin, and I'm an alcoholic in those situations, right? I don't drink except for this. So I'm a cocaholic, I guess I could say. One a day. But I'll stand here and say this this morning because we are, as the church, we're in recovery. We're in a recovery from our sin. And so I'll stand here and say this morning, my name is Kevin and I'm a sinner. And it really bothers me Man, when I messed up, it really bothers me. Before I knew Jesus, it didn't bother me at all. I just did whatever, right? You just did whatever. Now all of a sudden you give your life to Jesus and things bother you. Well, that's because this Holy Spirit is making you holy. And those things that are unclean, those things that are evil, those things that are far from God aren't appealing. They don't, they don't fit anymore anymore. 
And so for those of us who have genuine faith, our sin should bother us. And what I'm going to say, because I love you, if your sin doesn't bother you, then we need to have a conversation. Because if God is in you, if the Holy Spirit is, is in you, if you've given your life to Jesus, sin is such a big deal, he went to the cross for it. He gave his life for it. So it would be broken. So sin wouldn't have hold of us any longer, but we'd be free in him. It's a huge deal. And we're not going to stand up and confess our sin this morning, but I would say this. I would say have somebody in your life where you can share with, that you can be open and honest with and say, I'm really struggling with this. And then allow them to speak truth to you. Allow them to give you wisdom on what to do. Be open to that. Genuine faith will take care of each other. Genuine faith will listen. will take the time to listen. will also, genuine faith will do. We're going to go back to the first few verses of James chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. It says, my dear, or my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into our meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. I should have worn my suit this morning. It would have been great. <laughs> Instead, I wore my filthy old clothes. The poor man comes in with filthy old clothes and, comes and walks into the room. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes, you say, here's a good seat for you. But say to the poor man, well, you stand over there. Can you get the picture of this? Can you guys see what's happening here? You stand over there or just come over here and sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? It's really not hard to preach on that passage because it basically speaks for itself. That we, most of the time, judge people by what we see. Watch this video here. English prompts will be at the bottom. And he's at, you can hear him. He's asking for help. He's saying, help me. Painful to watch that. This is why, for me, it's painful, because I've been to Seattle before, and I've walked right by before. Same guy. The only difference, 
was what he's wearing on the outside. Hmm. James really wants us to get it, church. To look and see people differently. So how do we discriminate today? I just wrote down a couple things, pretty much how I discriminate today. I view people's appearance, what they look like, what they wear, what they drive, social status, you know, where they're from, their lineage, their economic status, you know, what do they do, how much money do they make. Are these resonating? Do we do this? Yeah, we do, right? We judge people by the color of their skin, where they're from, what they do. And I remember having a conversation with Eric Munch on the mission trip, and he just finished reading this book called Saturate, and he, one thing that really stood out to him was we are so focused on what we do and not who we are. And we're not human doers or human beings. So who we be instead of what we do. Such a big deal in our world right now. Because status is it's all about status. And it is it is about the car you drive. I know I have I know some pastor friends that they the conviction of, like, I can only drive a certain type of car, right? Because if I pulled in the parking lot in a Beamer, I mean, I remember we bought one new car all, all these years, and it was a Honda Civic. Not a Beamer. <laughs> not a Mercedes. The loudest car I've ever owned inside. You couldn't even have a conversation inside that car. But we had it, and we bought it brand new. And I had people tell me, you shouldn't be driving a new car. <laughs> and I said, it's a Honda Civic, come on. <laughs> you know. So I've known pastors that are like, well, I can't drive a nice, the nice car. So they drive a Toyota, and Toyota's a nice car. They drive the Toyota Avalon, which is a really nice car. It's a Lexus. But if they pulled in in the same car in a Lexus, they just feel like, well, I can't really drive a Lexus because I'm a pastor. But I can drive a Toyota Avalon, which is a Lexus. It just says Toyota on it. Okay? Doesn't really make a lot of sense, right? But we do that. We look at what other people look at, or we judge other people by what they drive, what they wear, all that. And James is saying, we've got to stop. As the church, we've got to stop. And it doesn't matter. Here's the deal. It doesn't matter what people look like or what they drive in our parking lot. If they walk through these doors, our responsibility, no matter what, is to love them yeah. and to care for them. And it's, and it's, got, it's not going to be easy, right? It's not always easy. And yeah, there's boundaries. Don't hear me say we got to put up with everything and just let people trample over us. No, there are boundaries that we have to walk in and have wisdom and discernment. But it doesn't mean that our responsibility isn't supposed to, that we're still supposed to love and care for them. We see that 
in the story of David, and it was cool. Uh, Mitch mentioned that in his prayer for offering this morning. We're little Davids facing a big Goliath. And David was the anointed king, but David was a little kid. He was a kid. He was a teenager. Teenagers, you have hope. You do. And God calls, calls you when you're young because when you get older like us, our hearts get hard. And we think we know everything. And so God calls the young. He does it often. Statistically in the church, you can see it. Majority of people that know Jesus have known him since they were children and youth. Because once we get off into college and into career and family, we get hard-hearted. And we just do it on our own. So Israel is looking for a new king because their king, Saul, had started off in a pretty good place. First of all, God didn't even want Israel to have a king. Do you guys realize that? God did, God want, he was king. He said to Israel, you will follow me, follow me, and I'll take care of you. But they were like, but we want a king like everybody else. I want Alexis like everybody else. And so God says, well, if you want one, I'll give you one. And so he comes in and starts off pretty good, kind of goes to his head. That doesn't kind of go to his head, go, totally goes to his head. Like, hey, I can make a lot of money here. I'm going to start taxing these people. And all this stuff starts happening. And then the king decides, I'm not even going to follow God. I'm going to follow the, the idols of all these other nations around me. And at that point, God says, I'm done. I'm going to bring a new king in. And so he tells his prophet, I want you to go to Bethlehem. Sounds like a familiar city that we'll be celebrating in a few months. Go to Bethlehem, and there's this guy named Jesse there, and one of his sons is going to be our next king. So I want you to go there. And so he's like terrified. Samuel's like terrified. Well, if I go there and King Saul finds out, he'll kill me. And God says, just go, and he gives him that way, some ideas on what to do. So he goes meets with the town leadership. He ends up at Jesse's house. He sees Jesse's sons. Jesse has seven sons that he stands before the prophet. And one, the oldest, is like, gorgeous guy. I'm secure in my manhood. I can say that. Gorgeous guy. He's tall. He's handsome. He's rugged. This has got to be him, Samuel said. And God says, it's not him. And, there, and this is, when Samuel said, this has got to be him, this is what God tells Samuel right here. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height. Praise God his height, right? Look at me. <laughs> do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The, the Lord does not look at things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the Heart. heart. So he goes through seven sons, and the Lord basically says this to him every single time, not the one. So Samuel's like, Jesse, these are all your boys? I'm like, no, the youngest is out doing chores. He's out cleaning the stalls. He's out with the sheep. He's, he's way out there. And they're like, well, go get him. 
So they have to wait. He's way out there with the sheep. Go get him. And they bring him in. And the Lord says, this is the anointed. This is David. Because we look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And that's what James is telling us here in this passage. We have got to change as the church. We need to be different. We need to be genuine. We can look like everybody else and kind of look the same, but we're just full of carbonation. We got to be the real thing. We're coming into a time in our culture now where people are really, really, really looking for the real thing. We have tried it all as humanity. So we've got to be different. As the church, we've got to be different. Can I invite you to stand with me? I'm going to invite Brandon to come up. Hmm. James mentions it in this passage. He said the greatest commandment is to love God with all, of, all we've got. And what he mentions in the passage, he says to love your neighbor as yourself. So I guess my question this morning is, are we, first of all, as a church, are we loving God with all we've got? Or are we just looking like everybody else? Is your faith genuine? Now, hear me say this. I'm not asking you if you have perfect faith. Because there's none of us in this room that has perfect faith. Even those who spent three years, his apostles, his disciples, didn't have perfect faith. So I'm not asking you if you have perfect faith. This is what I'm asking you. Do you have genuine faith? Is your faith real? And then the second question then is, are we loving and caring for people? God, I thank you that you love us so much that you want to speak the truth to us, to convict us, to point us in the right direction. So God, when it comes to how we see people, Help us to see people like you see people. With compassion. With mercy. Help us to see them as eternal. Because they are. They will spend eternity somewhere. Just like we will. And it's either with you or it's without you. 
just like we will. Help us to know that they're made, everyone we come in contact with are made in your image. That you have breathed life into them. That you, Jesus, gave your life for them. That you died for all, not for some. But your word says that you died for all. So Lord, I pray that you would help us to see you. To see you first, to experience you and to know you so that we ourselves would have genuine faith. And that God, because of knowing you, that you would change our hearts and that we'd be able to see people and see our situations and, and live in this world and see it differently than what we've seen before. Now, church, I just want to encourage you. Some of, some of us need to ponder on this for a while and feel the weight, like a weighted blanket. Because <laughs> I really believe that God wants to do this in us that he wants us to see people differently. And whether they have fine clothes or they have filthy old clothes, whether they drive a Lexus or a Honda Civic, God, only you can do that in us. In and of ourselves, we're selfish. In and of myself, I'm selfish. So help us to be the real thing. Help us to be the genuine thing. If that's you this morning, if you just say, man, I want the real thing. I want to be genuine. Can we just kind of show, like, even with our, just with our eyes closed, so we're not, like, showing off in front of one another. Can you just lift your hands and say, God, that's me. I want to be genuine. I want to have genuine faith. So, God, I thank you that you see us and that you know us. Thank you for the gift of conviction. Thank you for the invitation to repentance to turn around and to follow you. You know, maybe some of you have never made a decision to follow Jesus. You've heard about him. You've tried to be the genuine thing, but you can't be the genuine thing without him. He is the real thing. So you've never made a decision to say, I am going to follow Jesus, meaning I'm going to lay all my stuff down and follow him. I'm going to give up my life and follow him because he gave his life for me. I'm going to turn from my stuff 
and I'm going to turn the other direction. I'm going to follow Jesus. Jesus' invitation is for you to do that, is to follow him. Because he loves you and he cares for you and he's got plans for you. But it's not going to be a perfect process. I'm not going to promise you that it's going to be perfect. In fact, it's not going to be perfect. That's what I can promise, that it won't be perfect. But the awesome thing is that he's with you in the imperfection. The perfect one will be with us in our imperfection. And so if you've never followed Jesus and made that decision to say, I want that. I want to follow Jesus for the very first time. You've never raised your hand before. I want to encourage you just to lift your hand up to the Lord right now and just say, that's me. I want to know Jesus. That's awesome. Thank you for that. Thank you for being honest. That's what I pray for this one who's raised their hand. And Lord, you say that no one comes to you unless you first have been drawing them, have been wooing them, that they have heard your invitation to follow. And so, Lord, we pray as they follow you, your word says that you will make their path straight. Thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you that you are the real thing, that we follow the genuine one. You're an amazing God who loves us, who cares for us, who actually likes us. Lord, we pray for this season, the season for some who has been very difficult, God. We pray for a time of rest in the midst of the difficulties. And bottom line, God, we're just thankful that you're in our lives and that you're speaking to us. Give us a hunger for more of you, more of you, in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen. amen. God bless you. Love one another. See one another differently. Okay, amen.